It is that time again, time for some informed opinion, uh, opinion and experienced analysis of the week's top news stories, which means, obviously, the roundtable. And we have a very good one for you today, so let's do some introductions first. Chris Smith is an attorney in Fort Lauderdale and a former state senator. He is a Democrat. Raquel Rocky Rodriguez is a veteran government relations attorney with McDonald Hopkins and was general counsel to former Governor Jeb Bush. David Smiley is the political reporter for the Miami Herald. His previous beat at the Herald included Miami City Hall, where politics is a contact sport and, <laughs> and some other things that we won't bother to talk about at the table, but welcome. Great yeah, to have welcome. you. Welcome. Well, and in Tallahassee, as everyone knows, it's a contact sport as well. Uh, Rocky Rodriguez, uh, you lived through a couple of, uh, well, I guess eight years or so. Were you with Jeb Bush for Four that? years. Four Second years. Second term. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the, one of the things you lived through mm -hmm. was his attempt to get opportunity scholarships, which is very much like the, uh, the scholarships that Governor DeSantis is proposing for these 13,000 mm -hmm. poor kids in the state of Florida. Uh, the court held that Governor Bush couldn't do that. Do you think Governor DeSantis can? I think it uh, depends on how he drafts in the legislature, adopts the legislation. I've, I've recently read the Bush v. Holmes uh, decision, and I think that there are some openings in uh, how it can be done. Frankly, I believe that the, uh, the majority of the court did cartwheels to try to uh, create language in the Constitution that was not there. They claimed or in their opinion, or they argued in their opinion, that um, the only kind of um, public school system that's allowed is one that's uh, where public schools are funded but they, there's nothing in the Constitution that says it's the exclusive means of providing a, a uniform, high-quality education, which is the language that they relied on. Right. So I, I think that uh, there is a lot of room. They never ruled on the uh, religious funding question mm -hmm. at all. They specifically passed on that. Right. What uh, the Senator Flores had talked about was it's not a funding going to a school. It's funding going to a family going to a school. Does that make a difference? Um, no, I mean the the family is the middle is the middleman on this, but it's still the dollars going from the general revenue into a school and sometimes religious schools, and I think that that's where you have a constitutional problem. Uh, I, I've, I've seen the change through the years, and I think the legislature this year will go a little closer to it. Um, but it's, it's funding uh, parity. I think if the legislature gets a little more towards funding parity, then that kills the argument against just strictly public schools. But the legislature has notoriously not had funding parity when it comes to the public schools and the other entities. Yeah, uh, David Smiley, the Miami-Dade Teachers Union, UTD, the statewide teachers union, they have all risen up very early and said, this is going to take money from public, traditional public schools. I mean, this is gonna be a really serious fight in Tallahassee over the next six weeks. Yeah, the teachers unions, uh, the state teachers union is now led by the former head of the Miami-Dade Teachers Fed Union. Uh, yeah, right. Fed Ingram, they are going to uh, fight this all the way. And I think what we've seen, what we've seen from Republican lawmakers after DeSantis was elected is that they are feeling more confident that they can push the envelope on things like school choice and school right. funding innovation. Florida has always been 
on the Vanguard going back to Jeb Bush's time. Um, and I think they feel confident that with the new makeup of the Supreme Court that they can begin to more aggressively pursue some of their agenda. I think yeah. it's worth it also to say that in the governor's budget is $200 per student more. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... Than this year. He, he yeah. done, he's done things that Democrats kind of like, raise he, their eyebrows at all. He's oh. getting there, and on, on David's comment, looking at the last election, you look at some of the polling and where the issues came out, you saw more and more citizens going towards those um, other educational opportunities and I think that's why the Republican legislature feels emboldened looking at the way that the governor's race turned out and other races turned out. Yeah. Yeah. Rocky, um, we've asked in the last week's roundtable, let me ask you, um, I think uh, Governor DeSantis surprised a lot of people including people who voted for Andrew Gillum by in many areas being more enlightened moderate uh, than this kind of hardcore Tea Party conservative who he was when he was elected to Congress. He is really off to a kind of an amazing start that has brought some people over to his side. I have to say, I think it's the, the fastest, boldest, um, most comprehensive start that, that I've seen since I've been watching politics. And um, he really has done his best to reach out to different sectors of, of the electorate yeah. and to, um, you know, per pursue very conservative policies where um, he can and where it's important. But I think it, it's conservative also in another way in that, um, for example, uh, I may disagree with the issue of smokable marijuana per mm -hmm. se, but I see it as a freedom issue from his perspective, mm -hmm. which also a libertarian, which is also a conservative principle. Yeah. And, well, when what how he framed it was, it's the will of the people. It was mm -hmm. that vote to put it into the Constitution. Uh, the will of the people, be it as it may, Chris is laughing about that. I mean, there's a hard well, deadline the governor had given to for the legislature 15. to yeah. get it in now, the books. When, or when else. it comes to marijuana, I'll, I'll give him that. But when you talk about will of the people, yeah, and we'll go back to the one thing that I, I still hold against the governor. The will of the people was to have an elected sheriff of Broward County. Will of the people was to have an elected supervisor of election of Palm Beach County. And that's the one thing. I mean, he, he's doing a great job reaching across the aisle on a lot of stuff. But it's just that nagging uh, uh, thing that he keeps doing and removing duly elected officials against the will of the people. Well, as, as long yeah, as but, you bring but, that up. You know, if I got to say, Brenda Snipes, I don't think there was a huge argument in her favor. Scott Israel, I don't know, David, um, I looked at his lawsuit, read his lawsuit this week, and he says the governor exceeded his authority by suspending him and, excuse me, counselor, <laughs> counselors, you know, it's always dangerous when non-lawyers read lawsuits, but I, I think it's a pretty slender read for Governor, uh, for uh, Sheriff Israel to be making this argument. Right, the Constitution is pretty um, open uh, in terms of the flexibility it gives the governor in right. citing issues like um, uh, neglect uh, right. in order to remove a right. constitutional officer from Malfeasance, office. misfeasance, neglect of duty, drunkenness, mm -hmm. but neglect of duty is a pretty wide... It's very very uh, wide, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, he can point to things, and he did, like uh, the problems that came up with the sheriff's office in the airport shooting, right. some of which we saw again 
when they were handling the uh, uh, the shooting in Parkland. And right. um, you know, I, I'm I'm not an attorney, as we've <laughs> we're clear about, but um, seems to me that they're going to have a uh, uh, Scotty Joe is going to have a tough time pursuing that case, just like he's going to have a tough time convincing the Florida Senate that he should get his job back. I didn't well, say anything, former governor, senator. How's that going to go? Especially after the governor put his thumb on the scale during his state of the state. But does that matter Speaking to the Senate? Yeah, I think it does matter a little bit to the Senate. As you mentioned, the Senate president came out to speak against it. One thing about senators, they don't like being told what to do. Yeah. And for the governor to insert that into his state of the yeah. state was shocking, made people uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, well, even Bill Galvano, as I said a minute earlier yeah. ago, said that was an awkward moment. That's a way of saying, Governor, what in the world are you thinking about? You know, telling us before we have a, a trial. Yeah, because he's told all of his senators not to talk about it. He sent yeah. out a mandate to all senators, your jury, do not talk about this. And then the governor brings it up in the and state then, of the And state. then we have two senators here and we talk about <laughs> it. All right, stay tuned. Rocky gets first crack when we come right back. Stay tuned. Michael, what? All right, as promised, Rocky Rodriguez, you were talking about a blast from the past mm -hmm. in Broward elections. Uh, former Supervisor Miriam Oliphant. And you were on that case. Yes, and that informs my uh, my views on the Scott Israel suspension. Um, as just quickly, Governor Bush suspended Miriam Oliphant because of the way that she handled the 2002 uh, election. And uh, again, badly, it was very badly, badly um, you know, failure to open the polls on times, not providing adequate supplies to the precincts, et cetera. And that was... Uh, misfeasance, malfeasance, neglect, and incompetence. And those are well-defined terms uh, that have been developed over the years. In this case, I thoroughly agree with Michael that um, the Israel uh, court challenge is on, on a very, very thin ground. The Constitution exclusively vests the power of suspension in the governor and the trial of that suspension through the removal in the Senate. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that the courts get to weigh in and second-guess the governor and the Senate's decision. But yeah. even the, there's a list of particulars that went with that, where the governor and his team outlined 14 or 15 different components setting up that, that case. Yes, indeed. And, and the purpose of that, uh, the initial executive order and the bill of particulars that is requested by the Senate is to inform the official of the grounds on which he is being, he or she is being suspended. And in, in reading the, uh, the Quo Waranto lawsuit that Scott Israel's counsel filed, what he's basically asking the court to do is to adjudicate behind those allegations and say, you can't suspend for this, you can't suspend for that. That is not the court's role. That is the purpose of having the trial in the Senate um, after there's findings by the special master and they can go behind it and they can debate it and uh, Scott Israel will have the full opportunity to counter whatever's been alleged. Yeah. That's not the job of the courts to look behind the executive order or look to the governor's motivations. See, but you just laid out a whole process that you did. We had a governor now saying he would remove Scott Israel during his campaign. That doesn't Before matter. Before the Blue Ribbon Commission came out, they put together a Blue Ribbon Commission. Blue Ribbon Commission says, do not remove him. Do not, you know, he shouldn't be suspended or anything. A commission that the governor set forward. So you have a person during his campaign before well, he even looked at facts. Excuse said, I'm me, Chris. This. I think Bob Gualtieri, the chair mm -hmm. of the commission, said as a fellow sheriff, right. he didn't think that Scott Israel should be removed, but I don't think there was a finding by the commission itself on Israel. There wasn't a finding that he should be removed. They did a whole lot of findings and a whole yeah. lot of recommendations, yeah. and one of those recommendations yeah. could have been remove him. Well, Miriam Oliphant, I'm sorry, with Miriam Oliphant, there mm -hmm. was a report from other supervisors explaining all of the 
problems she had created. They didn't recommend one thing or the other. That was the governor's conclusion based yeah. on the mm -hmm. facts that were oh, presented. Okay, if I can, I want to change the, <laughs> change the focus here to a really important moment, I think, in South Florida history and nationwide in which a white police officer was found yeah. guilty of shooting to death a black man. We're talking about Numan Raja, who was a former Palm Beach Gardens police officer, shot and killed Corey Jones three years ago. David, um, uh, you know, I, you've covered trials. We've all covered trials. And, you know, for that jury to have met for three or four hours the previous afternoon, came back for 30 minutes the next morning and found him guilty of uh, uh, attempted murder and manslaughter, uh, I mean, this was really kind of a remarkable moment. Yeah, I mean, I think of this in a historical context. Uh, mm -hmm. I was growing up down here, uh, and I remember the um, William Lozano trial yes, and the appeal. And um, uh, uh, just as a kid at that time and remembering um, how upset everybody was, how upset the community was. And I think Newman Raja is the first police officer in the state to be convicted of, of a shooting years. in 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Corey Jones, I think everybody can look at what happened to him. I mean, he was what parked uh, on, uh, he was waiting for roadside service on an off ramp and this undercover officer comes up uh, and he is on the phone. And I think that's part of why there was a conviction. Yeah. He was on the phone with an operator for roadside service who, which recorded the interaction right. uh, and but I think people can see Corey Jones as, you know, the guy, they could be your next door neighbor. Yeah. Um, he yeah. could be, a you know, drummer, your, a drummer, gospel group. And yeah. Everything. Right. Uh, um, and, uh, and I, I, uh, for, for that officer to have been convicted of that shooting is really important historically. And we'll be, we'll be, they'll be talking about this in, in decades yeah. to come. You know, there's a, there's a difference in this case from other police shootings, several differences in that, to your point, he was undercover. There was no mm -hmm. marked vehicle. He, and we know this from that recording that he was on on his phone, Chris Smith, he, he never identified himself, although he no. said he did, he never identified himself as a police officer. He, so in, in the dark of night, this guy coming up the, the ramp, that Corey Jones had no way to know this was a police officer. And, and that to me is a huge difference. Yeah, and I think the recording is what did it. And as we see now with a lot of cases that's come forward, I mean, there have been, the com communities have complained about this type of behavior for years, but for now, now that there's recordings, now that there's cell phone recordings, in this case, an audio recording, yeah. really crystallizes what a lot of people have been saying for years is that sometimes, you know, Officers make mistakes, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's intentional every time. They have a tough job, but sometimes they do make mistakes, and for the first time in a long time, a jury acknowledged that. A jury acknowledged that. A white, an all-white white jury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and that is remarkable that now we've progressed enough that they're looking at yeah. these type of cases and not just buying the word of the officer. The audio tape helped tremendously, mm -hmm. but it still took the jury, because we've seen videotapes before and officers yeah. get off, but yeah. that a jury was progressive enough to yeah. have yeah. this and that's going to be the final word, Chris Smith, Rocky Rodriguez, David Smiley. Thank you all Great to have you. for coming in. Great roundtable.